All right, welcome back to Speak Easy, a podcast with yours truly, Chosen Eyes. Quick disclaimer and a little bit of housekeeping before we get started with episode three, y'all. While I will provide mental health and wellness tips and some spirituality in there too, just a little bit, actually a lot of it, let's be real, it's me. I am in no way, shape, or form formally diagnosing or assuaging any need for you to reach out to a certified licensed practitioner of either a mental health field or your primary care physician. I love what I do, but I am not, I repeat, I am not your therapist, nor am I your primary care physician. So despite the things that we may discuss, don't bring me that bullshit, y'all. Happy to share what I know, but don't hold me liable for anything. (laughs) Also, a little bit more housekeeping. Feel free to partake a little bit more in my world at ChosenEyes.com or Patreon.com slash ChosenEyes where you can follow more of my magical teachings should you see fit um, on my Patreon platform. And Proceeds that you choose to donate on that platform will also help to fund said podcast. So if y'all really like what I'm doing, that's the best way to jump in and start. Especially if you want to be able to get access to these episodes faster. Um, What else? Chosen Eyes at ChosenEyes.com if you need to email me any questions, comments, and or concerns. Uh, Chosen Eyes, the number nine for Instagram and Twitter. And if you're wanting to connect on Facebook, you can reach out at Chosen Eyes. So facebook.com slash Chosen Eyes. Um, if you want to understand me a little bit more with my government stripper name, Dr. L. Brock White on LinkedIn. But I have a link tree on Instagram and all the things are there. So that being said, welcome to episode three. Thank you all for hanging in there with me. This has totally been a blast and a journey and we're only three episodes in. Thank you for allowing me to share my side of the multiverse with you. I am honored and I sincerely appreciate you being a part of this journey. So as I always like to start, welcome to the way station where magic meets medicine and all oddballs are welcome. Trust me, if you can't see me, I got pink hair and I'm a doctor. (laughs) I don't think it's so weird, but apparently to some others it is. And so in episode three, we are talking about the V word. And no, not that one, you pervs. We're talking about vulnerability. Brace yourselves. Might even grab a tissue or two. Not you, me. I may need them. I'm going to do something very anti-Aquarian in some regards. I'm about to open up. Brace yourselves. <laughs> But first, we're going to start with our verbal spritzer, which is the importance of allowing yourself to fuck up. Yep, I said it. Here's why we need to fuck up, y'all. All right? One, just be human. Humanize the experience. You're not supposed to know everything. Right? Like You're in a situation where you're in this physical encapsulation, right? It's physical capsule and your soul is slammed in it. And we are in a construct that demands perfection at all points. But there's no way to be perfect. 
Perfection really doesn't exist. And this is coming from yours truly, a recovering perfectionist. So, for what it's worth, there's no way to actually be perfect. In fact, trying to achieve perfection is in some ways very degrading and humiliating and it very much uh, takes away from the beauty of what it means to be human, to be fallible. It also, well, if I'm honest, when you allow yourself to fuck up, you actually kind of find yourself. Here's what I mean by that. This podcast technically is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life according to various ages of myself. This is technically a fuck up. A very cool one. A very lovely one. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But it's a fuck up nonetheless. My 18 to 20 year old self says that I'm supposed to be a surgeon. My 32 year old self feels like I'm supposed to have my own clinic as a doctor of oriental medicine. And my 39 year old self tells both of them to fuck themselves because this is our practice in a sense, right? Not actually diagnosing people, but just like yogis have a practice, just like anybody who does any type of work has a practice. Lawyers have a practice. This is essentially my practice at being a human. If I'm going to be honest. Now, how is that a fuck up? Well, it's a total deviation from what I perceive to be is the perfect plan. I can't change the way that life dealt certain things my way. I can't change, well, not all aspects of that, right? But I also can't change the fact that I chose to move in the way that I did. All I can do now is move with the flow. And in doing so, I found my voice. I found myself. I'm a consummate Y child who is now allowed the space to ask questions, talk to the people that I like to talk to because I'm also a very personable but strong introvert. And I get to help more people in a smaller amount of time. Who knew? By all accounts, total fuck up in terms of what I had planned with my life, but most beautiful fuck up I can think of. Lastly, fucking up sometimes brings you to the people that you actually need to have in your tribe. What do I mean by that? Maybe you felt like you needed to pledge a fraternity or a sorority at some point in life. Maybe you missed out on a promotion at work. Maybe you felt like you needed to actually move to one city but got shunted into another direction so now you live someplace totally different or maybe you stayed where you were it seems like a misstep or a fuck up but in some of those instances if you really look back at it you actually were either kept in the situation for you to learn more about yourself so that way you could actually bring forth the people that you needed to move forward with Or you were being spared a very tumultuous relationship with people that may have been toxic or situations that may not have been healthy for you. My point is that when we try to micromanage life, when we try to micromanage the end result, a lot of times we sell ourselves short. So just 
putting it out there. Sometimes you got to humanize the experience and just kind of let something else take over. Now, I'm not saying be devoid of logic and be super duper extra bohemian and just throw caution to the wind and do nothing, right? Like, no, like this is where magic meets medicine. So there's some logic and some critical thinking that will always be fostered on this platform. What I am saying to you is take the edge off. And even if something feels like it went wrong, try to find the beauty in the moment. Because nine times out of 10, there's something you needed to gain from it. We'll be back after about a quick five to 10 second break, maybe longer. I don't know. Let's see how we're feeling about it. Be right back. So, we were back after our verbal spritzer. And, uh, yeah. I'm just gonna dive straight into this one. Vulnerability. (laughs) That's today's V word. Vulnerability. And I want you to know that just saying that word. (laughs) I'm chuckling to keep from cringing, okay? Those who know me know that I'm an incredibly warm, compassionate, thoughtful human being. But being vulnerable is not exactly one of my strong suits. And there's a reason for that, okay? I'm going to talk to you about one of them. And this is a very intimate space for me to kind of move in on a first date if you will not that I haven't been open in the first two episodes but we're really starting to get to know each other here okay that being said vulnerability is scary for me and here's why much of my life I have been an adult on an emotional and mental level. And I was definitely encouraged to be all that I can be. Pun intended, because most of the people in my family were in the army. <laughs> Shout outs to all the vets and all active duty personnel. I appreciate y'all and your service. But also... When you're an emotionally intelligent and competent individual, especially in a black household, it's attached to a few liabilities. And one of those is that in some instances, you're not viewed as a child. And that can become dangerous. And that places a weight on a person at a very early age that they don't entirely understand or comprehend. But they also don't have the benefit of knowing anything different. I'm going to talk to you today about a trauma bond that I have with something that is some, it's probably arguably one of my favorite parts of myself. If I do say so myself, it's probably one of the sexiest parts of me. But it is something that at times I don't know how to put down. 
And that's my brain. Yep, I'm saying it. It's not so much of I'm too smart for my own good. It's really more of a trauma bond to learning. And I recognize this after a conversation with my good friend from episode two, Nikki the Jukebox. Please, by all means, go support my friend. She is awesome and a wealth of knowledge and one of the many gems of my life. I absolutely adore her and I hope you enjoyed her in last episode. But we were talking and we're both incredibly curious people. We're like insatiably curious about life. And we were talking and she was telling me about something that she was studying and something that she was kind of getting a hold of. And she said, you should try, no, you should consider learning or you should learn something along those lines. But when I heard the word learn before she could even go any further, I had already blocked her out in my head. I was looking to grab a pen and paper. My shoulders immediately squared up. I mean, this is like an an immediate, intense, visceral reaction. My gut tightened, my shoulders squared up, and I was like in a stress mode. I, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Nothing about it was fun. It immediately sent me into a very obligatory, militaristic mindset. I have to conquer this information. I have to do this. If I don't learn this or if I don't execute this properly, there are dire consequences. There's an issue. Like there is failure is not an option. Those are the things running in my head. That's not healthy, y'all. And so to kind of help understand where the hell I'm going with this, I'm going to read something to you that I wrote out because personally, writing helps me to process my emotions. Now, I'm not an avid journaler or journalist, but I, um, the motion of pen to paper help is soothing to me. Actually, pencil to paper. I like pencils. is soothing. And so this is how I was able to process that. I have only ever truly felt safe in my mind. It was and remains the first place that I can go and know that I am safe. Not in an effort to foster any form of self-delusion, but rather to cultivate peace. My inner world is very rich, colorful, and ever-expanding. And I'm very passionate. Yet, typically, as a person, I'm very private. And I come alive... When my mind is stimulated, yet ironically, I almost always lead with my heart. The one thing that I probably guard incredibly jealously, if I'm going to put that in there too. As a child, my mother and I moved frequently due to juggling of finances and leaving a feeling of impermanence in the material world is what all this moving did to me. I watched her relationship with her now ex-husband. No, this is not my father. Someone totally different. But I watched her relationship with him and saw the effects of its toxicity upon her very being. And I had to live its byproducts in a multitude of ways. The impact was, well, ever present in 360. 
Coupled with a family that in many ways demanded perfection and a father who wasn't emotionally present, I spent most much of my time in my inner world. And by age 12, though already a high achieving student, I'm being modest here. I was pretty much a fucking overachiever. Um, <laughs> I recognize that the outer world that I was immersed in, in a physical sense, was not the world that I wanted to be a part of. And that long term, I couldn't sustain it. As a child, the only currency that one truly has, or at least that I had, despite babysitting and doing psychic readings. Yeah, I've been reading since I was in middle school, high school, y'all. For profit. It's been a minute. But the only real currency that I had, because the material currencies that those two things brought forth didn't really amount to as much as what it does now, right? The only real currency I had were my grades. Academic currency. In fact, I got paid for my grades. My grandfather, every time I made an A, I got four bucks. It was a dollar per point for the grade weight. So A's are worth four points. I got four dollars. B is three. So I got three dollars and so on and so forth. So that's how I got paid. But leaving those circumstances became paramount and I desperately clung to my intelligence to get out. I knew that I was a smart kid. I knew that I was witty. I knew that I had the capabilities of being a leader, that I could understand complex things, that I was able to organize and rally. Like I knew that my mind was a powerful tool. And I knew that even though I was told I was an arrogant little girl, I knew that that was because there were people who were intimidated, namely adults, by my intellect. I'm grateful that I didn't entirely let that stop me. And it fostered some self-consciousness, but it did not derail me from utilizing my intellect. But I created a trauma bond to my intellect that, yes, has served me well but in many ways has depleted aspects of my own psyche. I'm a doctor because of my intellect. I have a podcast and successful business because of my intellect. I'm raising an emotionally intelligent human because of my heart and my intellect working together. I am able to do a multitude of things because of my intellect. But at what cost? There are aspects of my personality that I had to leave behind or section off in order to lead with it, to get out of difficult circumstances, forgetting to have fun and to enjoy the process. When I hear the word learn, my mind orients to the need to gain intel for the sake of survival. If I don't learn this information, if I do not execute this, this test to perfection, if I do not create this project, if I do not perfectly recite and regurgitate what was given to me, 
then I will die or something of that magnitude would happen. Either you don't get into the college that you need to in order to get out of where you live or and to move on into a different direction. Your sense of stability and security is compromised. All of those things run through my mind when I hear the word learn. I hear you're not good enough. You got to be good enough. You got to compete even when I don't want to compete. And if I'm honest with y'all, there's a slight competitiveness to me, but not in the cons- not in the sense of where I've placed myself in certain arenas. I've always be- viewed myself as my own competition. So having to compete against other people is very counter to my nature. I find it to be very stressful and if I'm honest, disgusting. I don't really like competing against other people. I'm always asking myself, am I a better version of myself now than I was yesterday or five minutes ago? That's good enough for me. But the trauma bond that I have to learning is something that I am making a point to unlearn. And the reason being is because I don't want to pass this down to my child. Being a black woman who was raised in the Midwest and in the South, we always hear that education is key, knowledge is power, your education and your mind will take you everywhere. And I do not disagree with the fact that those things are important, that they have value and that they hold a lot of weight. In fact, I don't think that that's just relegated to black and brown communities. I think that that's something that within the United States we drilled into our youth especially because you know I graduated high school in 2001 (laughs) okay just to put this into perspective so during that time there was this huge knowledge is power movement don't get me wrong it is but knowledge without proper execution knowledge without cultivation of creativity knowledge without fostering a, a holistic form of understanding in totality, right? And by understanding, I'm not just talking about, you know, read, recite, regurgitate. I'm referring to, hey, you just learned this mathematical equation. Let's see what areas of life this actually applies. Okay, but we can learn how to do that in a way that's fun. I guess my spouse thinks that that's funny. Sorry. But that being said, it's more important that we truly understand that this has become intergenerational. And that's a problem. I know I'm not the only person who has had a bond that was not so healthy with intellect. And the ironic part of it all is that In my journey with being bound to my mind, the one thing that I can never shut off, nor should I, it has led me to some beautiful places. I've learned so much and I have been able to move in circles that I never would have thought of, especially at a young age. But... By contrast, it closed me off to aspects of who I truly am at my inner core. Because when you're operating solely from a space of acquiring and assimilating information into your brain, 
you're cutting off a certain pathway energetically to that which makes your soul the most beautiful. And that's your creativity. That's your passion. That's the thing that, that moves you. I kind of got ridiculed throughout school for being passionate about certain things. It's hard when you're being admonished for being able to be multiple aspects of yourself as a kid. Sure, I'm smart. I, I appreciate that about me. And owning that confidence, I was called arrogant. Go figure. Not confident, arrogant. I choose confident. But when you t- when you put a child in a situation where they have to lean heavily into the one thing that they have, in my case, it was intellect. Long term, it sets you up for a certain level of potential self-destruction. For me, that looked like wind up, uh, not wind up. See, being human here. That looked like me having some serious health issues during my med school fellowship. We'll take a quick five second break and then we'll be right back and I'll tell you more about it. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. Episode three of Speak Easy, a podcast with chosen eyes. So we're talking about vulnerability and we're talking about my trauma bond to learning. My trauma bond to learning and to my intellect brought me to a pretty big health issue. I, during med school, had two things happen. One, I was diagnosed with some gastrointestinal issues. No, I'm not going around farting and shitting all over the place. But let's just say that I have to watch my stress levels in order to moderate acidity within my gut. <laughs> when they say stress kills, let's just say they're not lying. Uh, that was something that I had never considered being linked to my mind even while being in medical school, that the issues I was experiencing with my gastrointestinal health could at any point truly be triggered by certain thought processes. And it wasn't until I sat down and really thought about what it was. See, notice a pattern here? Thought, thought, thought. I stay in my head, right? It wasn't until I really sat down and thought about, okay, why is it that whenever I think about this, this happens? It wasn't until I recognized that every time I heard somebody talk about a private practice that I would cringe. That I recognized this is not what you're supposed to be doing long term with your practice as a doctor. I was never excited about using my mind or my being to have a a traditional private practice. That always seemed overwhelming and just... Stuffy and confining, if you will. It didn't feel expansive enough and I didn't want to have to adopt a corporate model in order to treat patients and to feel as if I was also filling my cup simultaneously. 
how often do you think that people really have the opportunity to explore what truly allows them to feel at ease and to pursue that? It's not very often. And in many cases, it's not socially acceptable. What is, is hyper-intellectuality. So long as I was using my mind, so long as I was using my brain, I didn't get as bullied as much. I got quite a bit of praise, even though I was viewed as being arrogant. So long as I was using my brain and not saying as much or not being as vocal, which for me is not always the easiest thing, everyone was fine. Everyone was happy. You know, my family was okay because, oh, well, you know, she's got straight A's. Oh, well, you know, she studied abroad. She's in France now. Oh, you know, everything was okay so long as that currency was there. And that's what I habituated to. Keep your head down. Keep your grades up. That's what they want from you. And that's okay. Meanwhile, internally, all that undigested angst, all those undigested feelings, all the emotions that just were not sitting well for me. Literally were not being processed through my physical being. So they just sat there in my gut over the years. And from a traditional Chinese medical standpoint, of course it's gastrointestinal health from a conventional standpoint because in TCM, guess what that is? Spleen and stomach. Now when we're talking about spleen in traditional Chinese medicine, we're talking about the pancreas and the actual spleen, but more so the pancreas. I'm saying all this to say is that it had a huge physiological impact on me. Not only do I have to watch my stomach acid, I also have to watch other aspects of my diet, which sucks because I love food. I love food. All food. And I can't have all the food that I want. It sucks. But it allows me to be more mindful to my physical being and making sure that I'm moving in alignment with what my soul and what my physical being wants. So I am grateful for that. The other thing that happened was literally one month prior to my defense of my capstone project for my fellowship to graduate with my doctorate. I was placed on bed rest for a week by my primary care physician. Now, (laughs) imagine this. You have just spent two and a half years flying back and forth halfway across the country one week every month to pursue a degree. You've left your child and your spouse. You have navigated so much internal like turmoil and things within your family like your family nucleus but also extended family members that you've had to be there for only to be now almost hospitalized you have to talk your primary care physician out of hospitalizing you this is also pre-pandemic y'all for exhaustion but also imagine if you will That you are in your mid-30s and you don't really recognize that you're exhausted because 
To you, exhaustion is synonymous with tired. The brain fog that you're experiencing is just you being tired as far as you're concerned. You're used to operating off of fumes. You're used to not really being able to think clearly, but still somehow make magic happen and get things done and execute. Yeah, you're used to operating like that. So you don't know that you're exhausted. You just think, oh no, I'm just a little tired or I'm sick. Something's wrong. Maybe I'm sick. Run another test. My PCP put my ass on bed rest and literally told me, if you were not a month away from graduating from this program, I would put you on medical leave for six months to a year. Y'all, that was the scariest shit somebody could have ever said to me. Because at that point, I felt like my mind had failed me. My mind and my body had failed me. How the hell can I get this close? And you all start shutting down. What the fuck? I was so mad at my brain and at my body. I felt betrayed on all levels. But... I am humble enough to admit it was the best fucking thing that could have happened to me. The first 36 hours, I was crawling out of my skin. I was not allowed to leave my bed unless I had to go to the bathroom. That was it. I couldn't even go to the kitchen to get food. That's what she meant like by straight up bed rest. For someone like me who was used to moving and shaking and constantly being on the go, it was a slow, painful torture. I mean, I, mm, I, I I was going batty. But you know what happened by the 48th hour? I kind of surrendered to the moment. I had to sit there and be still. And something beautiful happened. My intellect took a back seat and my soul on a deeper level started to speak. And we had some pretty in-depth conversations. And we created a plan together on how we were going to navigate things moving forward. Fast forward to three weeks ago to me talking to Nikki the Jukebox. That agreement that I made with my spirit, I didn't recognize that it had a name of trauma bonding to learning. But I knew that every time that I needed to use my mind in a way that was counter to what my soul wanted, there was a problem. And in talking to my friend, I recognized that it's because Learning was never something that I got to do on my terms. It was something that I was thrust into out of desperation to escape, let's just say, less than savory emotional circumstances. I want to be very clear that while those moments of my life are some of the darkest, In many regards, I'm actually eternally grateful for them. Not just from a standpoint of they made me stronger and all the, you know, toxic positivity accoutrement that we try to put into those moments. It has nothing to do with that. It's because despite all of it, 
I was still able to not only protect and guard aspects of myself that I now get to use in totality now, but that I saw value enough in them to protect them as a, as a child and from a very early age. And I can look back now and know that even in that trauma bond, I protected the most valuable parts of me, which is not just my brain, but it's the intersectionality between my brain and my heart, which is why I get to do cool shit, like be a doctor with pink hair and create a pretty dope podcast, this side of the multiverse. What's also more important to me from that time frame is that I can look back at that girl of 12, 13 and say to her, yeah, it's pretty shitty, but it'll all be worth it. My trauma bond to learning, I realize and recognize in totality was something that up until recording this episode, I thought of as a fuck up. I fucked up. I depleted my brain. My brain betrayed me. That out of all the things, right? But it wasn't. My trauma bond to, to learning and to my intellect was a protective mechanism that allowed me to reemerge on the other side of it more whole and truly willing to embrace my humanity. There's value in my intellect, but now I know how to give my brain a, a rest. Now I know that I'm not crazy if I want to move fluidly between all aspects of myself. Or if my intellect and my heart want to play or my intellect and my passion want to play or my intellect needs to go on hiatus and I need to throw caution to the wind and just do some seemingly random shit. I get to do those things now, guilt-free. Now this is still the infancy phase of all of this, so just, you know, hang in there with me. I may have a moment where I start clinging to it again and by all means, check me. I may need it. But (laughs) all that to say... Where I thought that I fucked up, looking back at how I bonded with my intellect, it wasn't a fuck up. It was just a certain deviation to get into where I am right now. So, that being said, y'all, I sincerely hope that me sharing this trauma bond to learning helps you Understand a little bit more about some of the ways that you may have bonded to some other things. It's not easy to be vulnerable and talk about where we may have gone wrong or where we may have gotten something right at the expense of something, right? Because that's also part of it too. But hopefully you recognize that there's strength and vulnerability. It took me 38 years to recognize it. But if I'm honest, I'm sure the fuck glad that I've recognized it now. Stick around, have one last break, and I'm then going to give you a quick love note. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to episode three. I appreciate you all. Thanks for letting me be vulnerable. Thanks for letting me squawk about myself for a little bit, but hopefully in doing so, I may have helped some of you. 
Remember to drink five glasses of water if you can. Got that lovely tip from the Barefoot Empress. Thank you so much for existing, my love. By all means, follow up Barefoot Empress wherever you can on Instagram and all the other social media outlets. Make sure you're taking 50 deep breaths. Try to get them in there. I know you always hear me squawking about that, but hey, get her done. Make sure that you're giving your mind an opportunity to wander. You don't want to trauma bond to your brain the way that I did, but let it wander. You may be surprised where it takes you. And more importantly, fuck up. It's fun. I promise. All the cool kids are doing it. (laughs) Thank y'all so much. Keep your gazes forward. Stay tuned for episode four. Or you get to meet one of my favorite people, the beautiful Janice Saunders of New York City. Y'all take care. And remember, when you got to speak to yourself, speak easy. Take care.